The Money Show. Small business. Small Business Focus brought to you by the Isuzu Easy Go. Why own a pre-built truck when you can rent it? Thanks to creative solutions from Isuzu Finance. T's and C's apply. Pablo Fatidis at Auric Business Accelerator. Just quickly off the top of your head here, Pablo. Give me a sense of budget and the benefit to small and medium enterprises of being allowed to uh, get a bit of a tax rebate on uh, on solar panels on your, your factory, your office or whatever the case might be so an overview of the bubble the, the bubbling the bumbling budget is <laughs> it was a bumbling budget with really nothing exciting in a bruce nothing that demonstrates any innovation any risk taking anything progressive around changing the state of play in our economy much like the sona address itself it was a whole lot of blah 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 from a from a solar uh, incentive Two things. The first is, what hoops will we have to jump through and will it be worth it for what I believe is a very underwhelming opportunity as an incentive? The big issue I had with Sona is that there was nothing said there that would position us as South Africa, given the energy crisis we have and given the further recent exposure around the crime syndicates that prevent energy deregulation and energy innovation taking place, there was nothing said about positioning South Africa to be a forethought leader and innovator in renewable energy, given the crisis we have. It wasn't said in SONA, and it certainly hasn't come through in this incentive for business Mm. to try and rectify a problem that really should be ultimately government's issue to solve. But... Very underwhelming, if you ask me. Okay, good. We've got that then. Uh, let's then talk to the issue that we're going to raise this evening. The uh, You need to explain the topic as well. The, the, tinery, <laughs> the tyranny of project revenue models. This is when somebody says, hello, I'd like, I don't know, a house built or a, a factory built or an engine built or some sort of project delivered upon. Explain it. Yeah, so anything that is project-based, in other words, has a beginning and an end, and it requires a big effort of work to deliver something from nothing, so you have the beginning and the end, as opposed to selling a can of beans, which gets bought every single day. That's the difference between regular consistent revenues and big project-based revenues. And project-based revenues, Bruce, is the the challenge that you have with them is it creates a kind of roller coaster in your budget and in your financial management. It creates a roller coaster in your behavior and your ability to plan. So money comes in when a project lands. You deploy everything you have to deliver on it because there are big penalties normally around these big projects. And it could be, as you rightly said, a piece of construction. It could be a piece of software that has to be built. It could be an advertising campaign, for example, a once-off bespoke advertising campaign. It's right across business you see them. So you you deploy all your resources that you have with you square and center of all those resources to deliver on the promise you've made to the client. It's often filled with all sorts of challenges like scope creep. In other words, you, you asked to do more than you've costed in You've asked to do more than you possibly have the capability to do, so you need to bring additional people in. The project starts, the project ends. All your time has been focused on delivering it, and that means that no one has been selling 
the next project. So you have this big spike of revenues. You then have a period of nothingness until the next big spike of revenues when you land that next deal. And I call it the tyranny of project (laughs) revenues because the projects themselves are exciting. The revenue sizes themselves are exciting. But it is a terrible, terrible way to build anything other than a very, very fancy job for yourself. It certainly doesn't build an asset. Yeah, it's it's a problem, I suppose, and you you've somehow got to overlay time. You you got to really be really good at project management and to ensure that, uh, you know, while one project is running, the, the next one is almost getting underway, so that you are able to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, sort of have them cross over each other. Yeah, Pablo. Um, in terms of ensuring that there is a steady revenue stream coming in and as that's easier said than done i guess because all of your attention needs to be on finishing the first project that's where a lot of builders become unstuck they stop paying attention to the first project and start paying all the attention to the second leaving project number one grumpy uh, and project number two excited until they get treated in the same way and, and yet you know there's such a there's a real antidote to it because if you're going to take the example of a building firm and let's say you you have a good builder you have a good builder who does a good job. You brought the building firm in to do, let's say, add um, uh, to the home itself. They're going to build uh, two additional rooms to the home. They do a good job. Hard to find, Bruce. Hard to find a builder that does a good job. In other words, on time, on budget, and on quality. So you find this remarkable building firm. The owner of the firm is very involved in the process because that's how all small building firms begin before they become medium-sized building firms, before they become larger building firms. And in so doing, you're looking at the quality of this individual and you say, hey, could you also build a pool for me? Or could you also build a garage for me? Or could you build the wall for me too? And before you know it, when you start building a pool as opposed to building rooms in a home, it means you need different materials, So you've added complexity now to your whole procurement process. It means you need different skills. So you've added complexity to your whole human resourcing uh, 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 aspect of your business. And if you haven't built a pool before, but you're building the pool because you have to make hay while the sun shines in the midst of this program or this project, you're likely to have to do rework. You're likely to make a few mistakes and a lot a large part of that profitability gets eroded. As opposed to turning around and saying, hey, as a construction firm, Bruce, the only thing we do are pools, nothing else, only pools. We understand the different designs. We understand the supply chain. We understand the raw materials that are needed. We know which materials work, which materials don't work. We know what skills are needed. We know how to sell pools because It's all we do. So we've developed marketing Mm. content. We've developed sales systems. We've developed channels to individuals like estate agencies that know us to be the most reliable pool builders in the city, whatever the case may be. So we keep on getting more and more and more and more pools referred to us. We've simplified our supply chain. We've simplified our human capital that we need. We're able to train up the talent that we don't have. And because we have project after project after project after project, we have smooth revenues, we have predictability, and we're able to keep that talent on board. That's the discipline it takes to get rid of these project revenues. But very few people have that kind of discipline 
or long-term vision to make that tip or switch over. It's a really difficult thing to get right, particularly if you're starting up. If you are that uh, the 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 person who's been in business for I don't know eighteen months or two years, whatever the case is, you you getting to a point where you think you can get a second crew or maybe a third crew or whatever the case is. Now you've got to be this masterful juggler of expectations and deliverables, I suppose. Completely, and that's why the simpler you make it, the more specialized you make it. You know, I'll give you another example, and it's a firm that, that I did some very interesting work with probably about eight years ago. General Builder, Bruce, General Builder, tyranny of projects, bouncing from one project to the next project to the next project. Every time they landed a job, they were paid a big deposit. Part of that deposit, which was there to secure all the materials needed for that particular project, was spent trying to finish off other projects. <laughs> it created absolute absolute hell it was terrible this particular business eventually over a period of time decided that it was going to focus exclusively and only on building loft rooms in medium income suburbs because there were some shifts and demographic shifts that were taking place and what did we see we started to see more people have to work from home opting to work from home needing additional space we saw in the sandwich generation where you've got kids that you have to look after, you've got aging parents, it was more effective and more economically viable and more manageable to bring elderly parents into the home. But where would they stay? You wanted to improve the value of your own home, so you created more space within the loft. And as they understood that this was a trend that was forming, they started to give up all the general building work they were doing the walls, the pools, the additional brick-and-mortar rooms, the garage, the addition to the garage, and so it went. And they specialized exclusively in lofts. What did they learn? They learned that people who wanted them had to live in the home while they were being built, so they discovered a way <laughs> of building a loft from into the home without going into the home. They learned that they had to get this done and delivered and dusted within a two-week period, to minimize disruption, they learned that the best way to do it would be to create three lock designs only, that their team were able to understand, practice, and with every practice become better and faster and more efficient at doing it. They learned that with three designs, they could simplify their materials, they could simplify the plant and equipment and tool sets they needed, they could absolutely ramp up their marketing and routes to new a lot of requirements through the estate agency network they built, it gave a significant better outcome, mm. both in revenue, predictability, and profit for this particular business owner. And that goes, that goes across all of these project sort of businesses that you talk about, whether you're an advertising company, whether you're a software firm, whether you're a construction company, it doesn't really matter what you are. You've got to have a oh, system and a process. Um, and you've got to be beholden to that system and process because the moment somebody says, you know what, I'd like a loft room with an extra window or an extra vent or an extra this or an extra that, they're going to break your system and you've got to then have the guts, I suppose, to say, well, then we're not the company for you. Terribly sorry. Absolutely. We're very good at this. We guarantee we'll be in and out in two weeks. We will deliver an exceptional product, but don't mess with our system. If you want to add... You know, make it blue instead of green, uh, maybe, but we we can't be adding doors and windows and stuff that we don't have in our manufacturing process. That's not us. Use somebody else. 
And I would almost argue it's slightly different in the sense that it's less about the system, because the system that you create is in response to how you position your business. If you position your business as a general building contractor, as a general advertising agency, and you don't have big budgets to allow you to excel in the multidisciplinary nature of being a general builder or a general advertising agency, then you're going to be subject to the tyranny of these project revenues forever. If you instead turn on and say, within the world of advertising, another great example, a general advertising agency decided to specialize in creating brochures for motor vehicles only. That's all they did. They looked at motor vehicles. They looked at brochures. They looked at what people want when they look at, at, at motor vehicles. They became excellent at doing that. They let go of everything else in the entire advertising sphere, Bruce. And from project to project to project, three years on, they managed to exit the business and they managed to exit the business for around 22 million rand. It is very, very unusual for an advertising, a small advertising agency, a general advertising agency to get anywhere near that kind of exit fee. They turned this general project business into a product business and then they built the systems to excel at delivering that one product, which were brochures for motor vehicles. Pavlo Fatidi is at Auric Business Accelerator. Thank you very much indeed. Wonderful. Again, that it goes to the theme that Pavlo often talks about in terms of specialization, focusing in, finding a niche, and then driving a wedge into that niche and opening up the wedge and dominating that particular gap so you don't get trapped in the tyranny, the tyranny of project-based revenues.